On this edition of Kiwi Tripsters, discover the delights of the Waitaki district. We head to Whitestone country and its stirring natural rock formations. Don't miss the vanished World Fossil Centre and we showcase the joys of Oamaru. Further afield, whiz your way to Whistler in British Columbia, plus we enjoy a taste of Tassie. We're all ahead on Kiwi Tripsters. We're back with Kiwi Tripsters Travel Podcast. Get ready and take off to spectacular destinations as we continue our journey and share the inside word on all things travel. Whether it's luxury travel or backpacking on a budget, whether it's cruising or foodie trips, we've got you covered with top tips and tricks so you can have an amazing travel experience. And now, over to your hosts, Mike Yardley and Andrew Seppi. Welcome aboard for a fresh edition of Kiwi Tripsters. I'm Andrew Seppi. I'm Mike Yardley. Outstandingly good to see you, Andrew. And always with you, Michael. Now, we're kicking off... <laughs> it's very Catholic. Close could you to home. say that more with more sincerity, please? I probably could. It's really good to see you, Andrew. Lovely. Let's take you south across the Canterbury border into Otago and the Waitaki district. Yes, and the border dividing Canterbury from Otago is the Waitaki River. It's Mm -hmm. like a pathway into another world. So if you're heading down from Christchurch, before you get to Oamaru, head west, turn right into the Waitaki Valley and head to Duntroon. 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 Take your shortbread (laughs) and enjoy a beginner's guide to all the buzz about the district's aspiring geopark. Every time I hear Duntroon, I can't help but uh, think of Fraser from Dad's Army. We're all doomed. (laughs) We're doomed. (laughs) Anyway, just as the International Dark Sky Reserve status has transformed the Mackenzie's pulling power as a premium astro-tourism destination, the Waitaki district could soon be showered with stardust with its pending designation as a global geopark by UNESCO. Yes. So the Waitaki Whitestone aspiring geopark (laughs) is one step closer to becoming New Zealand's first UNESCO Global Geopark. Now, the executive board of UNESCO will convene in April and are expected to endorse the recommendation from its Geopark Council. You didn't know any of this, did you? Ah, there you go, see? (laughs) We inform. So what you've got is, at the moment, the aspiring geopark threads together all sorts of natural landforms, abundant fossil finds, and the rich cultural history across the Waitaki Valley. This was all undersea when Zealandia drifted away from Gwondwana. And from my sketchy geological understanding, it was the seismic forces that later thrust this very ancient seabed upwards at the same time that the Southern Alps were formed. I thought we were still debating whether Zealandia was part of Gondwana land or it was just risen from sediment. Anyway, the gateway to the geopark is Dontrun. He loves that word. We're doomed. (laughs) Now, there is a fella called Robert Campbell you'll become familiar with in this part of the world. So he was this- top bloke. Yeah, top bloke. (laughs) <laughs> Very wealthy run holder. He established Dunthroon in 1864, and he named Dunthroon in honour of his Scottish birthplace. Was it Dunthroon? <laughs> Apparently. Oh, there you go. St Martin's Church in Dunthroon is this Christmas card perfect church, a lovely little limestone church funded by the Campbell family. 
On the highway roadside, you can step inside the 110-year-old jail for an indelible sense of the frigid confines of old-school incarceration. Now, there we go, the frigid confines of old-school incarceration. (laughs) I met up with a chap called Mike Gray, and he is head of Turim Singh, and he guided me through the rustic charm factory of Nicole's Blacksmith. Now, this is one of the few operating blacksmith shops left in New Zealand. It's totally authentic, and they'll fire up the forge on weekends, and they'll even hold ironwork courses, Andrew. Ironwork courses. Mm. Love it. I'm not that good at ironing. <laughs> now, the blacksmith shop was first established by a Watty Yardley. Watty Yardley, uncle of yours? Apparently not. Oh, there you go. Migrated mm. to New Zealand in the 1890s from the Orkney Islands. Yes. Now, I thought he might have been a long-lost relative, but um, I've got, like, the self-titled expert genealogist of the family. Oh, yes, I, who, know, I know who you're referring to. Yes, and they contacted me to say, no, Wattie's not part of our tree, so sorry about that, Wattie. But his blacksmith shop soon became like the community hub in Dunthroon and locals swapped stories over horseshoes. Tragically, he was killed in a road Sorry, crash. Sorry, what? They swapped stories over horseshoes? Yes. Well, the, well the, you know. Riveting. I know. Well, they had to do something while they got their horses' shoes sorted. Yeah, I suppose. He was killed in a road crash in 1930. That's ironic. Yes. A road crash. Yes. Okay. Yes. Shortly after selling the smithy to... Nicole Muirden, and it's her name that still adorns the property today. Now, Dunthroon is home to the Vanished World Fossil Centre, and I'm not just talking about your old maths teacher. (laughs) 25 million years ago, the land around Dunthroon was the ocean floor. So the mag... (laughs) Yes. The magnificent Vanished World Centre brings to life all of that prehistoric wealth of the region. It's like a wee taster, a wee scene setter, and a trophy room to all of the ge- geological wonders that endow the Waitaki district. Now, all manner of discoveries have been found lodged in the region's famous limestone, just sort of lodged in there, poked, prodded, which of course was created by broken down ancient marine life from prehistoric dolphin skulls to whale and penguin bones. Yeah, you can see a lot of those in the fossil centre. The dolphin skulls are just extraordinary. Yeah. Um, so after getting to grips with the bare bones geological backstory, Mike uh, took me for a bit of a uh, foray around the 40 designated sites of significance that comprise the aspiring geopark. Now, there are some particularly key attractions within the geopark. Yeah, so the cast landscape and its white stone are at the core of Waitaki's identity. We called him to Takidoa the rock art site where ancient Maori travelling through the Waitaki Valley for food gathering would find shelter in those limestone overhangs. And you'll see them just on the roadside as you drive through Waitaki Valley. But Takeroa is one of the best. And you will see all of these etchings of animals and also early European contact sailing ships uh, that have been etched into the cliff face. Now, a huge highlight is Elephant Rocks, which is not to be confused with Frog Rock, just out of Hemna. It's a wonderfully whimsical affair where towering limestone rocks have been sculpted and eroded by wind and water to form elephant-shaped 
outcrops. The yes. line is boggling on this one. The site was used in the filming of The Lion, The Witch, and The Wardrobe, of course, C.S. Lewis. Nearby at Anatini, fossilized Balian whale bones have been exposed in the limestone. Yeah. Now, you might also recognize the setting, Elephant Rocks, as Aslan's camp from Narnia. He was, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the wider Awamoko Valley is dubbed the Valley of the Whales in deference to the abundance of fossilised marine life. Another really cool spectacle is called earthquakes, <laughs> which <Wow>. are <laughs> these monstrous slabs of limestone that have splintered off the hillside as if someone's just come along with a massive carving knife and gone chop, 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 chop with the limestone. How did they go? <laughs> chop, 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 chop. All oh, right. So this all happened thousands of years ago, but it's yes. not just <laughs> it didn't happen last <laughs> week. <laughs> but it's not just a limestone that holds court in this geopark because further south you've got the very well-known Moraki boulders. And just out of Omarama, those pinnacled clay cliffs, Omaru itself is built on a long extinct volcano. It is. So very shortly, we're going to leave Dontrun and head to Omaru. Don't go away. You're back. We're back. Kiwi Tripsters, Mike and Andrew. We've been discussing the geological wonders strung across the Waitaki district. How does the geopark interact with the Omaru story? It's a good question because there are a lot of interlinking strands uh, which bridge the past with the present. Like, for example, how farmers tamed the land first. They were the ones that unearthed these limestone fossils, the farmers. All of that bountiful produce from the farmland powered the development of Oamaru's port. And that glittering collection of neoclassical limestone buildings down in the town's Victorian precinct, of course, all of that limestone comes from the Waitaki Valley. Then you've got the ancient penguin bones that keep being found in the limestone. And today, of course, Oamaru, famous for its magnificent colony of little blue penguins on the foreshore. So lots of little um, hookups. They're so great. Lots of hookups in Oamaru. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and the penguins. Yeah. So um, uh, big breeders. (laughs) Oamaru's penguin colony is a hugely booming business, and you'd know this very well too. Yes, well, I sort of feel like I've got a bit of skin in the game here. You have. Not that I'm suggesting I'm a penguin, but uh, when I first started in radio in (laughs) – Oh, I'm going to do 30 years ago. That's a long time. Yes. There was this little fledgling colony of penguins, right? They had 30 breeding pairs. And um, it was actually quite sick at the time. This is early 90s. That the boy racers would often go down to the foreshore, mm-hmm. um, do their uh, burnouts, do their donuts, and see if they could knock out a few penguins. Like, that's how... Entertainment was seen as... um, Mm -hmm. Someone mm, should have knocked them out, but anyway. Totally. So anyway, yeah, so go back 30 years, there were 30 breeding pairs. Today, there's over 200 breeding pairs. Penguins, breeding like rabbits. Exactly. The nightly (laughs) penguin parade of the birds returning home to their nest after feeding at sea is extravagant and intimate. They're so close you can virtually touch them as they scamper up the rocks like nervous Nigels navigating their way around the fur seals to reach their little homes. It is a riveting twilight encounter. 
It Kids lo- love it. Yeah, lovely. Yeah. Now, as an aside, just adjacent to the penguin colony, the world's largest colony of Otago shags. And we've touched on where to find a good shag before. Marlborough, one area. Otago, another area. And these shags have commandeered the historic Sumter Wharf, which played a leading role in the world's early frozen meat shipments. Yeah. Yeah. Just after they started doing the frozen meat exports from Port Chalmers, this wharf also swung into gear as one of the big sort of gateways to the UK for the frozen meat. But then the shags have come along and taken it over. Indeed. You will never be short of a shag in Oamaru. Yes. I I say that from first-hand experience. No, well, you used to live there. Yes. Yeah. And this shagathon on the Sumter Wharf is quite the spectacle. It is gobstopping. It would be. Mm. There's, there's thousands of them <laughs> going at it like rabbits. Which leads me to the next question. What about the good eats in town? Yes. Well, if you do the Penguin Colony Twilight Encounter after freezing your butt off down there. And you'd be hungry after a big shag. You would. What I would suggest you do is hot foot it around across the road from Sumter Wharf to Scott's Brewery. They've got a roaring fire, great craft beer, great pub fare. If you want to go poshnosh, the best place is Cucina. They do the most amazing degustation dining with a very sort of South American-inspired menu. And just north of Oamaru, Riverstone Kitchen sits alongside the homeware emporium of Riverstone Country Gift Shops. And uh, that's also where that castle is located that you might have seen in the media from time to time, Dot Smith's Riverstone Castle. Now, since returning home to his parents' farm in 2006, Bevan Smith established the highly decorated Riverstone Kitchen, wrapped in food-producing gardens where his sparkling food ethos is powered by sustainability and hyper-local produce. Yep. Totally right. And the menu celebrates the seasons. That is a must stop. Now, there are a few luxury stays in Oamaru. There are. I reckon one of the best would be South Hill, just minutes from the Victorian precinct in the Penguin Colony. The place is called Pennybrin Lodge. It is, it's dreamy. It is pinch yourself. Old school grandeur. And what sings out loud in this gracious palace of calm is the beauty of the building. I like that. Gracious Palace of Calm. Believed to be the largest single-storey wooden dwelling in Australasia, the award-winning luxury lodge was crafted in opulent Victorian style. 1889, way Mm. back when. Pennybrin is Welsh for top of the hill. And like most Welsh words, it sounds nothing like the English version. Not at all. No. They're good for that. Mm. So, yes, this is on top of South Hill. Rich carpet, soft furnishings, and tasteful period pieces. There's just this air of refinement at every turn. Oh. So, for over a decade, Pennybrin Lodge has been under the command of the Jameses, two Jameses, mm-hmm. who have accentuated its resplendence and <laughs> grace. James Guxman is a prestigious chef. And he whipped me up the most amazing breakfast. It was um, including goodies like the uh, the locally produced honey, fresh from the property's beehives, James's triumphant croissants, and his freshly made Icelandic yogurt. Good grief! Yeah, now, this place is fantastic. Yeah, well, this place isn't huge, is it? It's no. quite quite refined. How many guest rooms are there? Yeah, there are only five guest suites. Be so peaceful then. <laughs> very peaceful. Very indulgent. Very elegant. Um, you just 
walk around and marvel at the architecture and the furnishings, you loll about the garden, you lose yourself in the ocean views, you can tinkle the ivories on the 1866 baby grand piano, you can even try your hand on the competition-sized billiards table. Okay, now history clearly oozes from every pore of Pennybrin. The billiards table was in fact one of three commissioned for the New Zealand Parliament. Of course it was. They commissioned three billiards tables, but they could only take two. Yes. And that's very New Zealand, isn't it? Let's commission three. We've only got room for two, yeah. but... Uh, we've never been good on the planning, have we? Uh, not really. <laughs> so, yes, uh, you can see this billiards table, the extra, the spare <laughs> at Pennybrin. The drawing room, the library and the conservatory, they are all handsome sanctuaries of stately residential splendour. Pennybrin Lodge a hallowed hospitality haven. Oh, lovely turn of phrase, Michael. Coming up, we're going to give you a taste of Tasmania, but next, let's whiz our way from Vancouver to Whistler. There you have it. Back in a moment. This is Kiwi Trips. This is Mike and Andrew. Let us indulge in some adventures. British Columbia, lovely place. The Sea to Sky Highway delivers a fantastic experience in British Columbia. How long is the journey from Vancouver to Whistler? Well, if you head out from Vancouver, from Lionsgate Bridge, it's about 90 minutes drive time to reach Whistler. Um, And the drive is a damn sight better than it used to be. (laughs) Yes. And you can thank the Olympics for this because the Sea to Sky Highway was substantially upgraded at the insistence of the IOC uh, ahead of Whistler hosting the Olympics in 2010. But even though it only takes 90 minutes to reach Whistler, it's such a deliriously scenic drive and it just brims with temptations along the way. In fact, the history of Olympics being hosted in a city uh, it has prompted so many improvements. I mean, that's what finally mm. got the airport to city rail link going in Sydney. Yes. So what are some of the best stops? Well, for much of the drive, you will find yourself wedged between soaring mountains and Howe Sound, which is this big, beefy glacial fjord. But one of the best stops first up is a place called Porto Cove on the side of the Sound, just soak it all up. It's just the most beautiful setting, Porto Cove. And then there's a string of tiny waterfront communities which are fun to explore. Places like Horseshoe Bay, Britannia Beach, Lions Bay. No lions there, I have to say. Uh, the section of highway. Then why was it called Lions Bay? There used to be. Okay. Yeah, mountain lions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I didn't see any. No gruel, gruel. Rough, mm. Yeah. Anyway, the section of highway above the homes of Lions Bay has got this special rubber surfacing, so it softens the noise pollution from the passing traffic. Of course it does. Yes. That's very BC. They're very into these sorts of things. I love the place names in Canada. Saskatchewan is yeah. one of my favourite place names yeah. in the world. And Squamish. Mm. Squamish. Well, on the approach to Squamish, looming above the highway is this gigantic rocky fang that looks uncannily like the Rock of Gibraltar. (laughs) (laughs) Just because it can? Yeah, but don't think you are kind of around Spain. You're not. But they just look really, really similar. Yeah, just in case you're driving through (laughs) British Columbia and suddenly think, have I made a left turn and ended up in Spain? Yes. You're not. It was called the Sea to Sky Highway, wasn't it? (laughs) Anyway, um, this big rocky fang is called Star Womis Chief. 
and it's one of the world's biggest granite monoliths. And the real thrill is watching the army of ant-like rock climbers tenuously crawling up at 700 metre high vertical rock face. I was just happy to watch. I can see you doing that though, Andrew. (laughs) I can see you looking at it going, I'm not doing it. (laughs) Well, if you don't want to do that, what you can then do is right next door, you've got this colossal curtain of water, the Shannon Falls. She's a gusher. Oh, you love a gusher. And the recently opened Sea to Sky gondola gives you the most amazing view across this entire slab of BC. How high is the gondola? Mm, Good question. Now, was it as high as the rocky monolith? I don't think so. It would be several hundred metres high, though. Still say the biggest gondola I've ever been on was the one over to Kowloon in Hong Kong. That is hugely high. Oh, God, it is. Salmon Run is a very popular spectacle in these hip parts. Yes. Fiendishly popular. Fiendishly. Fiendishly. (laughs) (laughs) I do like popularity of the fiendish form. Oh, yes. Yes. Anyway, if you happen to be going to BC in early October, you will be in luck because just north of Squamish is a place called Brackendale. And what makes this spot such a smash hit is the spawning salmon. It attracts thousands of bald eagles from all over the Pacific Northwest, and they're feasting on the dead fish. And before they hibernate, you can also see black bears plucking fish straight out of the river with their big claws. Just fantastic. That's National Geographic unplugged right there. How else do they do it? They don't order an Uber. Well, I thought they might have a net. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, this mass spectacle of fish, bears, bald eagles, takes place in the first couple of weeks of October. And that salmon, Mm -hmm. the DNA from the salmon has even been detected in Brackendale's trees. So I think Mr. Beer takes the salmon up to the tree, has a munch, and the DNA stays there. Or Mr. Beer munches the salmon and goes to the bathroom somewhere in the forest in the tree. That could be it. Many ways. Yes. So we're heading to Whistler. Yes. What's so good about it? It's very much BC's Queenstown. So So it's expensive. It's expensive. Right. Uh, It's a world-class recreation mecca, commanding (laughs) year-round pulling power. (laughs) Oh. So you've got those... Classic Christmas card scenes in winter, and then you've got the summer throng of bikers and hikers. Oh. And it's all strung around two monstrous mountain ranges, Whistler and Blackcomb. And it was actually the dream of hosting the games that spawned Whistler's development, even though it actually took them 50 years to become host of the Winter Olympics. But scoring a shot alongside the Olympic rings and the winner's podium from the 2010 Games... That remains the number one selfie stop in Whistler. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Can you travel peak to peak is oh, a question. Yes, you can. Yeah. And I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but Let, I, hold on, hold on. Stop, stop. Let me guess. It's a funicular railway. Yes. Right. If you share <laughs> my serious fetish for funiculars and gondolas, well, the peak to peak is the granddaddy of them all. This is like a high-wire extravaganza. It slings you across the mountaintops from Whistler to Blackcomb. So you've got these infinity alpine views and various engineering world records are thrown in for good measure. Things like height and range. It's, you know, it's the biggest, it's the longest, it's the widest. Right. (laughs) It's a knockout. Now, the mountain biking scene, not that I imagined you mounted a mountain bike and... 
peaked your way around the peaks? I did. Did you? What? Yes. Yes, I got myself off the funicular and Uh mounted the bike. Uh Uh-huh. How was it? I loved my bike ride, Andrew. It was a blockbuster bike ride. Was it an e-bike? No. Okay. No, it was old school mountain bike. Just asking for a Mm -hmm. friend. Thank you. (laughs) What makes the Whistler Bike Park so special? You have more terrain at that bike park than at any other North American bike park. We're talking biggest, longest, widest again here. Oh, dear. So you've got all sorts of trails, all sorts of chairlifts. Uh, zipping you up to the top of the trails. There are some really wild rides, extreme circuits if you're into that. If that all sounds a bit edgy, and I started myself on this one, the Valley Trail, which is this nice gentle loop that threads along lakesides through the forest and the meadows, and uh, no protective armour is actually required on that trail. Wow, Mm. that's something to write home about. Yes. Just ahead, we cross the creek uh, from New Zealand, not from Vancouver, for a taste of Tasmania. Back in a mo. This is Kiwi Trips. This is your back. We're back. Mike and Andrew, finally on this edition, we're going to be going to Tasmania and Tasmania, the home of David Boone, as we remember the 80s cricketer. Yes. From Australia. David Boone. Yes. Many nicknames, none of them very nice. No. Is Tassie underrated as a travel destination? I think so. Yeah. Give him a taste of Tassie. Yeah. Yeah. I've only been there <laughs> twice, but I love it. Yeah. It's half the size of the North Island. They are the big apple producer of Australia, but our apples are better. Yes. But it does actually pack a real punch, this place. Very scenic, very drivable, and so much of Tassie's history is tinged with tragedy. So you've got that sort of dark tourism vibe happening. Mm. Uh, The brutality of the convict settlements, the massacre of tourists at Port Arthur. And some years ago, about a decade ago, the life and death drama at the Beaconsfield Mine. Oh, yeah. Tasmania seems to attract drama. Well, Tasmania has often been the butt of some jokes for New Zealanders, but also for the rest of Australia. They'll yes. tend to sort of look at Tassie and go, hey. Yeah. They kind of see it as like New Zealand South, don't they? <laughs> and we see it as Australian South. Yeah. 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 It's an amazing place to visit, though. Wildly popular with the outdoorsy types, and the locals are very down to earth. Now, some standout spots in Tassie, and there are mm. quite a few of them. Launceston. Yeah. The beginner's guide to Tassie's hit parade in five minutes would have to start with Launceston or Lonnie, as the locals call it. Let's go to Lonnie. Yeah. It's the northern gateway. Take the Cortina to Lonnie. (laughs) And this pocket-sized town has a swag of grand old stone buildings. They've got a fantastic new waterfront precinct. And the top drawer, I loved this place, Cataract Gorge. Now, you don't go there if you have eye issues. It's not a visionary sort of thing. Right. But I've got this spectacular natural feature, Cataract Gorge. It's only five minutes from the heart of town. Just great place to have a bit of a roam. And an hour from Lonnie, you've got the Tamar Valley for cool climate wines, very nice wines, and also the Beaconsfield Mine. Lovely. Now, Beaconsfield is kind of synonymous with mine rescue. Is the Beaconsfield Mine Centre worth checking out? I really enjoyed it, yeah. They've got lots of heritage exhibits from the gold mining's heyday, but what I really enjoyed were some of the exhibits about the 2006 mine rescue. Some superb displays. For example, they've got this two-kilometre-long scarf And I don't recall this in our news coverage at the time. I do. Do you? Yeah. So the community knitted 
this enormous scarf is like a good luck charm for the trapped miners. Yeah. Mm, well, 2K could, long. Well, I, th- I think what they were trying to do is dangle the scarf down for the miners to grab. Anyway, Cradle Mountain is a beautiful mountain. <laughs> it really is. It's, it's uh, how to describe You describe it, Michael. It's a beautiful shaped mountain. You're quite right, Andrew. It curbs like the slither of a new moon. Oh. Tasmania's iconic landmark. Now, nestled below the mountain is Dove Lake, which uh, gives you sublime reflections of the mountain. It's a bit like Lake Matheson, really, in terms of its mirror magic. Oh, how lovely. Yes. The setting is ravishing. You do like a good ravishing. Yes. The rainforest is ancient. The bushwalks are terrific. And you've got a bucket load of wildlife. I have never seen so many wombats in my life. I've worked with a few. <laughs> Stretching along the east coast, Tassie has some incredible clusters of big, gnarly red granite boulders. These, these are fantastic. And of course, the, the sort of big red granite in Australia has a look of its own. Yeah. The pick of the bunch would have to be the Bay of Fires. And I love that name, the Bay of Fires. Brilliantly named because there is something particularly fiery about the red hue of these granite boulders. It does look like they've been torched. And there are dozens and dozens of these drop-dead gorgeous beaches in this part of Tassie on the east coast. Powdered white sand, crystal clear water, and then all these red granite boulders. But yeah, Bay of Fires, definitely the most scenic. And even more... Uh, specifically in the Bay of Fires, there is like this bay within bays called Binalong, which I would have to say, hand on heart, would be one of the most spectacular beaches I have ever seen anywhere in the world. That's high praise indeed. Mm. Now, you were saying before that you'd highly recommend Wine Glass Bay. Yes. And I mean, the the, the fact that it's got Wine Glass in the name already, yes. you know, oh. pushes you that way. Yes. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> yes, further down the East Coast in the Freycinet National Park, Wineglass Bay gets its name not because someone was an alcoholic, but because the bay is... Well, not only because someone was an alcoholic. This is true. If you look at the uh, shape of the bay, it is a perfectly formed semicircular shape. Oh. So, so it looks like a wine glass, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, I'm, yeah, get, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm getting that. Thank you. Thank mm. you so much. Very remote, very romantic, the sort of place where you could actually help yourself to a glass of wine. And the bay is home to lots of playful, splashy dolphins who aren't drinking the wine. So it's well worth seeing them in? Very much Lovely. So. Now, what are the top sites in Hobart? Well, if you do like a market, uh, Salamanca Markets, very, very popular. Oh, yeah. Great art, great food. Uh, check out the seafood restaurants in the old waterfront precinct. They've got a great brewery in uh, Hobart called Cascade, which is Australia's oldest. Yeah. Well, Australia and breweries are quite synonymous. They are. Um, If you do like a view, head up (laughs) to the Mount Wellington Lookout for the amazing panorama of the Harbour City. And also MoMA is this very provocative, eccentric art museum in Hobart. Quite confronting, uh, but very much worth a look. So what's so confronting and provocative about MoMA? Uh, They have a lot of quite explicit art, I'd have to say. Oh. The sort of art in some parts where you wish you hadn't just had lunch. Right, so a short drive from Hobart, the haunting heritage at one of Australia's old convict settlements, Port Arthur, will will make you go, ooh. Definitely. I mean, Mm. I, I love the buildings at Port Arthur, but... 
with all of the tragedy, and it's sort of like double-decker tragedy, yeah, yeah. the convict heritage. And then the shooting. And then the shooting. It does just feel immersed with this mood of melancholy and just haunted history. Yeah. On that note, that's us done for this edition. Uh, thank you for joining us. And um, if you need a bit of a pick-me-up after that, a glass of wine from Wine Glass Bay or yes. something, uh, be sure to like our Facebook page and our show notes are available on the website kiwitripsters.co.nz. kiwitripsters.co.nz. Plus, we'd love you to rate and review Kiwi Tripsters on the podcast service of your choice and we are everywhere. I have to say, I do get my Whitestone rocks off on your feedback. Uh. So, <laughs> fill your boots yes. and tell us what you really think. Mm. And for some great travel reading, check out our sister site, fortheloveoftravel.nz. It is fortheloveoftravel.nz. We look forward to catching you for our next edition of Kiwi Tripsters in a week's time. Take care now. Hooroo. And that's a wrap for this episode of Kiwi Tripsters. Liked what you listened to? Then join us for our next episode of Kiwi Tripsters, where we bring you more travel inspiration, giveaways, and insider knowledge with expert guests on the show. Connect with us on Facebook and Instagram, and visit us on kiwitripsters.co.nz. But most importantly, subscribe and comment on Apple Podcasts, and tell us what you think of our show. Till next time, safe travels. Safe travels.